When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. And let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cut to the Chase. So my guest today is Frank Tarantino. He is a special agent in charge of the New York Division of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. He has been uh, part of the DEA for 24 years, and now he heads the whole New York operation. So he's leading 800 people throughout the state as part of the DEA. So welcome, Mr. Tarantino. Thank you, Laura. So big picture, Everyone has read about fentanyl. There's a lot of concern, the statistics, the fact that it's 50 times more powerful than heroin, 100 times more powerful than morphine. Yes. Incredibly addictive and incredibly fatal. Yes. Five milligrams, two milligrams milligrams. potentially could kill you. Give us just the big picture here in New York. What are the big statistics? Mm -hmm. What is the big concern about this? Well, Laura, I think we have to start first where this originates from, and that's China and Mexico. So China is the number one country that is sourcing the precursor chemicals and the chemicals that are flooding into Mexico that they are turning into these fake fentanyl pills and fentanyl powder that's flooding into the United States. So China and Mexico are without a shadow of a doubt an existential threat to the United States. It's a public health, public safety, and national security risk, which is why the DEA is relentless in our pursuit of holding both China and Mexico accountable. So how do you break that supply chain? How do you disrupt that? Well, the DEA is very is laser focused right now on the two cartels that are most dominant in this opioid fentanyl crisis that what we're are they facing. Uh, are they Sinaloa and CGNG. Sinaloa, yeah. So the Sinaloa cartel and CGNG are the two most dominant and most responsible cartels for flooding the precursor chemicals and the pills, fentanyl pills and the powder into the United States. And these are cartels that have really pivoted. Yeah. What we have to understand about the drug trafficking business of today is that globalization and technology have changed tremendously. And the cartels are harnessing and in fact, they're weaponizing technology Mm. and they're utilizing a lot of the social media applications like Facebook and TikTok Mm. and Snapchat and YouTube to message and target an audience that are really the most vulnerable in our society. And so what the cartels have done is they've taken plant-based narcotics like cocaine and the coca leaf and heroin in the poppy plant and they've traded it up for synthetic and man-made drugs like fentanyl Mm. and economically it's just more productive and Mm. and more cost beneficial and they're making a half a trillion dollars a year with this illicit drug trade so there's a lot of money to be made and it's you know as a parent of teenagers who spend a lot of time on social media and on their phones it's very disturbing to hear that they're targeting just like you know nike or 
any other product. They're targeting their market in a way that is so hidden and hard to see. Exactly right, Laura. This is what we like to say, the criminal version of Amazon. They are hmm. a business and they are in it to make money. And so they need to attract new customers. They need to have a marketing strategy that reaches new customer bases and that attracts the people that look for this fentanyl that is so highly addicting. It's the most addicting drug and the most impactful synthetic drug on the market today. Is we, it? Oh yeah. It's, as you mentioned earlier, the intensity of and the lethality of fentanyl is far greater than any drug we've ever seen. Hmm. And when we talk about what the cartels are doing, they're trying to drive addiction. They're trying to drive addiction to create new customers and to increase their profits. Hmm. And very simply, that's why they've added fentanyl to almost every drug. Really? We're seeing it predominantly in heroin and cocaine and obviously these fake pills yeah. that we're seizing at record amounts. But I've heard it's also in eye drops and other kinds of farms as well. Well, Weasel we, sprays. Yeah, I can't speak to those mm. specific mm. items. I can tell you that the amount of fentanyl pills and fake pills and powder fentanyl that we've seized is tremendous. Wow. So 20 million pills seized last year in a three-month period this in year. In New York State. In the country. In the country. In the country. And then this year in the country in a three-month period, we seized 10 million pills and 980 pounds of pure fentanyl, which is 36 million lethal doses. The New York division seized about 137 pounds of pure fentanyl or powdered fentanyl during that same period and about 450,000 fentanyl pills, which yields roughly 470,000 lethal doses in a three-month period. So that's more than the population of the United States. Yes. One could characterize this as a weapon of mass destruction. Well, there's no question that this is the cartel's intent to drive addiction and to create a new market, but it's also an attempt to destabilize you know, the market and the economy. And certainly, they're looking to make money. And yeah. as I mentioned to you earlier, there's nothing that they won't do to make this money and yeah. to drive their addiction. So the cartels, the Mexican cartels that we're talking about are ruthless drug dealers. They have a business plan. They're executing it yes. to make money. And is it a kooky thing to posit that China, obviously, is it state-sanctioned businesses that are doing this? Is it legal businesses that are producing this and, and sending it to Mexico? Or is it illicit in Mexico? I mean, excuse me, in China. In China. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think what we've seen is some legitimate companies who have taken precursor chemicals that are legitimate in the market in China and in the markets in the United States. And they've then pushed those precursor chemicals into Mexico. That so is it paranoid to ask, mm -hmm. is this some kind of intentional thing on China's part to destabilize the United States of America or other Western nations? Or is that paranoid? Well, I don't know that it's necessarily paranoia. What I would say is that it is deliberate and intentional mm -hmm. to drive addiction to make more money. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in it for the same reasons that the Mexican cartels are in it. Profit. And when we talk about the drug trafficking of today and we think about the technology that's involved, as I mentioned earlier, with the social media and the applications that are being used, we also have to talk about globalization. And we see that Mexican cartel members are now in Southeast Asia. And we see Southeast Asian mm. members of Chinese criminal groups in Mexico. Mm. And we're seeing this sort of 
globalization aspect of drug trafficking influencing the markets, influencing the drug trade, influencing the different organizations and criminal groups that are making the most money. And they're looking to harness and weaponize every aspect of technology and every yeah. aspect of globalization. And I think that's why the DEA is so committed to taking out the two most dominant cartels, the Sinaloa and CJNG. That's yeah. our focus. Yeah. And I would imagine that requires, and I'm not going to ask you to get political or give anything yeah. away that you can't, and I know you wouldn't. Sure. But that means you have to really cooperate with authorities from other countries. Yeah. How do you know when you can trust that? Especially, you know, I think we've all read a lot, at least I have, about the Mexican cartels and who's in bed with the government and who isn't and, you know, all of the fighting and who's sometimes essentially an arm of the government. How do you know who to trust when you're dealing with other countries? Well, I think, you know, DEA is a global organization. So we have 251 domestic offices, 23 divisions across the United States. Mm. But we also have 93 foreign offices in 69 countries. So, oh, wow. so our global footprint is immense. Mm. And because of that, we have great relationships with our host nation counterparts. And that really is what allows us to have the access that we need and the influence that we need to target the most significant traffickers in those regions. So it's about developing relationships and building cooperation through shared responsibility. And we have that in our foreign space. That's interesting. Are you ever concerned that people just don't know enough about the threat of fentanyl and how bad it is? Or do you feel like it's getting the attention that it deserves? I feel, you know, we read about it and, that, you know, there was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal in September that I think really opened a lot of people's eyes as to, you know, I think it was two thirds of all ODs in 2021 were fentanyl ODs. Mm -hmm. So that opens people's eyes. But do you think do you think it's getting the attention that it needs out there in the real world? Laura, that's a it's a great question that I feel has multiple answers. I think yeah. that it's getting attention. I don't know that it's getting enough attention. 107,622 overdose deaths in Say one that year. Again. 107,622 overdose deaths in one year yeah. is far too many. That's 107,000 reasons why we need to do more. Yeah. Right. We say yeah. this is not a war on drugs, but this is a fight to save lives. Yeah. And that's what the DEA is designed to do. That's what we're dedicated to do is save lives. And that's our mission. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the statistics and we think about 107,622 overdose deaths, 66% of those are from synthetic opioids like fentanyl. So I don't know that enough people know mm. the real dangers with taking fake pills or the synthetic drugs that are on the illicit market today. And so we're trying desperately to educate and to create increased awareness yeah. so that we can prevent these overdose deaths. Because as you know, it's only one pill that can take somebody's life. So that's why that's our- it our campaign of one pill can kill mm -hmm. is so impactful because we've seen a number of overdose deaths that are a result of one pill, one experimental usage results in death. And there are people who, you know, I'm hearing from young people that I know that cocaine is kind of coming back. Mm -hmm. So people could be out there experimenting, they're having fun, whatever it is, they don't know what they're getting into. So I've also read that there are test strips yeah. that are really inexpensive. So yeah. is that something that you would advocate people use if they would never encourage anyone to do drugs? But is that something that could get out there? You know, it's a very cheap thing can yeah. test whether this substance has fentanyl in it. I want to answer that question. I have some very strong beliefs about the fentanyl test strips, but I just want to circle back real quickly about what we're seeing. Three different types of people are most commonly utilizing fentanyl, huh. right? So we see the substance use dependent person that actually seeks the fentanyl. 
because they want that extra high. They want that euphoric feeling that they get from fentanyl. And because it's so highly addicting, they want more of it. Right. Then we see the person that is opioid naive, that doesn't know that fentanyl is in the drug that they're looking for. And then we see the one-time, first-time user that thinks they're buying cocaine or thinks they're buying a Xanax and they actually are buying cocaine and fentanyl-laced drugs. But the message is very simple as it relates to pills. If it's not a prescription that's issued from a trusted medical professional like your doctor Mm -hmm. and then dispensed from a licensed pharmacist, you should not take it. Any drug, any pill that you get online or you get on the street is not only illegal, but it's lethal. So those are some basic principles that we want people to really focus on. Fentanyl test strips are complicated. Hmm. Tell me about that. So the DEA has a number of laboratories across the United States. We happen to have a laboratory in our New York division office, the Northeast Regional Laboratory. And I spend a lot of time in that lab. And I talk to our scientists. I talk to our chemists. I talk to our professionals that test these drugs every single day. And it's complicated. Hmm. And they have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, Hmm. scientific equipment that tests these things. a real lab. And it's not easy. State of the art. it's not easy. It's not easy. Hmm. Fentanyl Test strips, I believe, are a false sense of security. Mm. The pills that these substance use dependent people are getting online or on the city streets that are laced with fentanyl, first of all, disparate. There's any degree of different varying degrees of fentanyl in each pill, right? We can see as little as 0.001 milligrams up to 8 milligrams, which is four times the amount of lethal doses of fentanyl, right? Two milligrams, as you said earlier, is lethal. So we think about two milligrams, we have to visualize that fitting on the tip of a pencil. Yeah. Or that if you were to pour out 10 to 20 grains of salt on your kitchen table, that's two milligrams. That's two milligrams. Right? So what we're talking about with a pill is that that pill could have different pockets of strength in what we say hot spots in that pill. So to test that Hmm. pill accurately, you would have to pulverize the entire pill and then test it with this fentanyl test strip. Not only do you have to do that, but you have to be sure that you test every single pill that you have purchased. So if you buy 10 pills, you have to test all 10 pills. If you test just one pill by pulverizing it and using the fentanyl test strip, then you have to do all of the same with the other pills. I don't know that our substance use dependent people are doing that. Yeah. And I think that even using the test strip is, again, a difficult and challenging task Mm -hmm. that our scientists and our chemists have a hard time doing, right? That's really interesting. So that's why we say it's just not okay to use. You know, we don't believe that experimentation is an option any longer because the pills and the illicit drugs that are on the street today are lethal because of fentanyl. Mm. So experimentation leads to death, unfortunately. These are people that are trying something for the first time and they're dying. And that's a tragedy. And that's a poisoning. And that's why the DEA is relentless in our pursuit of holding those people accountable who are Mm -hmm. driving this addiction and causing the most harm. So we talked a little about the Chinese and the Mexican supply chain. How sophisticated is the supply chain, the operation, the network here in the United States and here in New York? I would say it's very sophisticated. We're doing a lot of work in studying the business of the business. Yeah. Right? So 
We have an, an ongoing study that we're conducting with our friends at ONDCP and our HIDA. What is ONDCP? The Office of National Drug Control Policy. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're trying to understand the business model that these cartels are utilizing. And yeah. we, we feel like we have a pretty good understanding of it. As I mentioned to you earlier, it's the criminal version of Amazon. Right. So they have- Just as organized and sophisticated. Oh, absolutely. They have their manufacturers. They have their distributors. They have their, their national distributors, their wholesale distributors, their local distributors. They have- Big your transportation department. routes. They have their marketing strategy. Of course, this is a business for them. Yeah. Now, what we see in New York City is an increase in overdoses, just like nationally. Mm-hmm. We see an increase in – so we're seeing record amounts of overdose deaths, but we're also seizing records amounts of fentanyl mm. and fentanyl pills. And so think of how much is getting out there that's not being seized. Exactly. So it's all – does it feel like it's out of control Well, I would say that for the first time in my 24 plus year career, this is the first time that I have experienced our entire agency focused on two cartels. Wow. And the entire agency is pulling in the same direction. And the goal is to defeat the Sinaloa and CGNG. CGNG, what does that stand for? It's the New Generation Jalisco cartel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our attempt to defeat both those cartels and remove them from the playing field and then target the next two most dominant cartels. Because there's always another, as soon as that head is chopped off, someone else takes over. Absolutely. Yep. So this is a never ending pursuit. You know, we don't, as I said to you earlier, it's not a war on drugs. We can't look at it that way. We look at it like a fight to save lives every single day. That's a point to make. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. So. You are the leader of 800 people here in New York. Yes. And this is a very difficult and challenging problem that seems to be getting worse. Yeah. How do you lead 800 people to give them the courage and to mm-hmm. give them that sense of mission and to give them that confidence that we can do this? Yeah. Especially when I imagine a lot of your agents are seeing a lot of pain. They're dealing with victims' families. They're dealing yeah. with ruined, shattered lives. Yeah. So... You know, I guess this is a two-part question. How does an agent protect his or her heart in all of this destruction? And then how do you keep that sense of, you know, let's keep going, esprit de corps? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we have amazing men and women who are dedicated every single day to the important mission, this vital and important mission that we have of the DEA and drug law enforcement. But in New York, what we look at is what we're trying to do every single day is build high-functioning, high-performing teams who have absolute clarity of what they do, how they do it, but more importantly, why they do what they do. And to answer that question, it's very simple. It's about service and it's about saving lives. Mm -hmm. And every single man and woman in our division and across the country in the DEA is committed to that very simple task of saving lives. Mm -hmm. And when we think about why we do what we do, we're reminded every single day. There's countless stories. We have the faces of fentanyl in our headquarters, which is 3,300 plus faces of men and women and young people as young as seven months old, as old as 77 years old, who are on that wall as a constant reminder of the important 
and life-saving work that we're doing and that we're committed to. Mm -hmm. So this is something that every single day, the men and women of the New York division dedicate and rededicate themselves to this important mission of keeping Americans safe Mm -hmm. and keeping communities safe. And that's a constant pursuit Mm -hmm. that you can't ever take your eye off of and you can't ever allow yourself to become complacent in because yeah. there's no more urgency than right now. Yeah. There's nothing more vital than the work that we're doing right now. That's right. And everyone seems consumed with so many crises and conflicts and divisions. And this is something that really is jeopardizing our country in a very, very real way, killing as you say, you know, 100,000 or more than 100,000 people in one year. Yeah, Laura, you know, I don't think people recognize that the leading cause of death between 18 and 45 years old today is overdose deaths. Wow. Unbelievable. And so when we think about 295 people every single day, yeah, every single day, 295 people are dying. I've said this a number of times, I'm going to say it here on a podcast, that's the equivalent of a 737 crashing every single day in the United States. And if that were to happen, people would demand action. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's just, there's no greater urgency than right here and right now. We have to meet this moment with absolute clarity yeah. and determination. And that's what the DEA is doing. Is there something that regular people parents, teachers, kids, you know, just regular folks out there who feel, oh my God, I'm hearing this Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I'm terrified. What can I do to control my environment? What can I do to protect my family? What small thing can I do to make things a little bit better? Well, first and foremost, the DEA has done a really great job with our awareness and prevention campaign. So you can go to one pill can kill backslash.gov and dea.gov to look at all the different publications and all the different literature on the fentanyl threat and the overdose epidemic that we're in, the crises that we're in. But also the DEA is committed to going into schools and going around to businesses and communities and talking about the one pill can kill message. The one pill can kill awareness campaign has really done a tremendous job of creating the type of awareness and giving it the attention that it deserves. And so we're trying to give educators, parents, caregivers, the tools that they need to understand what's going on in their communities. And we're encouraging parents and caregivers to have conversations with their young people, Mm -hmm. have those really difficult conversations with their children and with their students, Mm -hmm. and talk about what's happening on social media and the dangers involved in illicit drugs, specifically these fake pills that they're getting on the internet. So let's say I'm a kid, I'm in my room, I'm on TikTok, I'm, you know, looking at people dancing and singing or, you know, all the goofy stuff they do. If I'm targeted... yeah. What do I see? How does it show up on my phone? Well, that's exactly the issue that we're involved in today. The drug trafficking of today isn't the same as it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. When we saw drug trafficking on the city streets and the dark alleys in the middle of the night and yeah. the early morning, of course, that still happens to a certain degree. But what we're seeing now is it's in our homes, yeah. as you just described. Yeah. It's in our kids' bedrooms when they're playing on their phones and they're searching different websites or different social media apps. And what happens is, is that these traffickers are intentionally trolling and targeting young people. And they're seeing these emojis, this coded language Mm. that entices them, encourages them to try something. Mm. Now, 
So is it an ad that pops up? Is it a post? Um, no, I mean, sometimes they can be ads, yeah. right? Sometimes they're more directed. They're mm-hmm. more intentional and they're more targeted towards individual people. Yeah. It, it is. Right. They, they look at, you know, are they vulnerable about this or have they shown an interest in that? And then they go right to them. They look yeah. at their history. Yep. And it's also very innocent because it's the stigma of, you know, long gone is the stigma of sticking a needle in your arm. Taking right. a pill seems less yeah, You don't have to go sinister. to a scary part of town yeah. at two in the morning. Right. Yeah. And put a needle in your arm. It's it's a pill that yeah. you can get delivered. Is that how it happens? How does that There are definitely drug delivery services happening. Like Uber Eats? Yeah, absolutely. There's also young people who are frequenting different social events, whether it's in school or outside of school. Unfortunately, drugs have always been a problem in our schools, and it's still a problem in our schools. There's countless examples of young people who are taking a pill and overdosing in and around schools. It happens too often. And so we're really trying hard to educate as many people as possible and to give them the tools and resources that they need to really prevent this from continuing to happen. And it's going to be a constant and a relentless pursuit to do that, to educate and to provide that awareness. Right. So Frank Tarantino, you have a life of service. So 24 years in the DEA. Now you're the the big boss of New York, special agent in charge. And you served in the U.S. Army as an officer. Yes. I understand. So you really do have a life of service. What is it that drives you to do this kind of work, to really serve and to commit your life to this. Obviously, it's not the money. We know that. Yeah. What is your motivation to do this work that almost feels like, you know, Sisyphus rolling the rock up the hill as soon as it's up, it's down and you got to start all over again from the bottom. It doesn't stop. Yeah. I think that, you know, I don't necessarily think about every single day whether or not the work that I do has an end game. Mm. As I said to you earlier, it's a constant pursuit. Mm Mm-hmm. I think of my career and my self-development, my leadership as the same. I always think about every single day, how can I do more? How can I improve? How can I learn more about the work that I do? How can I help others do more? And so, you know, I think a very simple thing, I think every thought that we have, every action that we take, every word that we speak, we have a choice to either move towards greatness mm-hmm. or towards complacency. And I choose greatness. I choose to strive every single day to do more and be more and help those that need the help. And I feel as if this is a life of service that never ends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I measure my impact based on the relationships that I have and the relationships that I continue to build in not just the New York division, but throughout the, the DEA. And I say that every Every opportunity to have a conversation is an opportunity to lead mm-hmm. and everybody has an opportunity to be a leader. Everybody in any aspect of their life is a leader. And so this is a lifelong pursuit for yeah. me. You know, you're so right. We all have a choice in our actions and in our words. Do we go to complacency or do we try to get better and try to make things better for others? Yeah. I have one more question for you. Sure. And uh, again, the time has flown. So is there anything that you can tell us about just where we started with the supply chain, you know, the chemicals going to the cartels to be processed to then be marketed and sold? How do we chop the head off that monster? How does that happen? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what we're trying to do with the two cartels. So focusing on Sinaloa and CGNG. So really focusing on them. I mean, intently 
focusing intentionally and deliberately focusing relentlessly on those two cartels and defeating them, not just making their business difficult, but seriously and effectively defeating them, taking them out entirely from top to bottom is what our focus is. Yeah. And doing that, we will then pivot to the next cartel mm-hmm. or the next organization. The next one that comes up. So yeah. I'm not as well versed, obviously, as you are in all of this. I read the book Cartel by Don Winslow. Oh, yeah. How accurate is that? If it's a very harrowing book. Uh, total page turner, but just so gruesome and depressing and horrible. I don't know if you read it, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but how close is that to how these cartels operate? Yeah, that's not a book that I've read, but I have read, as we talked earlier, a lot of books, and I will put that on my list. Yeah, it's a novel, but yeah. he's based it on real life. Sure. Well, I mean, listen, the cartel... Pre-fentanyl. The cartels, there's 18 different cartels in Mexico, and some of them are long-standing cartels and others are relatively new. What we know for absolute certainty is that they are ruthless and they are bent on making as much money as possible. And to do that, they have to use a lot of intimidation and corruption and terror to accomplish their goals. A lot of violence. A lot of violence. And terror. Mm-hmm. Public displays and, I mean, just horrible things. Yeah. So there's a lot of public corruption and corrupt enablers in Mexico that, that yeah. certainly facilitate this criminal activity. Yeah. But they are ruthless. They are treacherous. And they are responsible for what we're seeing today across the United States, which is mm-hmm. why – Mexico and China mm-hmm. are an existential threat to the United States right now, and that's our focus. Frank Tarantino, special agent in charge of the New York Division of the DEA. I want to thank you for coming, but I want to thank you more importantly for the incredible work that you and your men and women do every day for us. We're grateful. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 